Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effect on the markets. The content that will be discussed is intended for information and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or investment recommendation. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you are prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now on to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the Digest and Invest podcast. As usual, I'm joined by the main man, the other side of the world, down under, Mr. Josh Gilbert. Josh, how are you? I'm very good, Sam. Very good. How are you today? Very good. I'm very good. I mean, for those watching on YouTube, how fresh is this shirt? It's a beautiful shirt, that. It's very really? nice. eToro branded in the middle. That's what we like to see. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So those that are watching on YouTube, please do like, share, subscribe, all of that kind of thing. And obviously, if you're on the the podcast listening, um, do give us a rating as well. And actually head over to YouTube to check this shirt. Because I, I, for me, it's one of the favorite ones that I've got. Um, Cluj, the Toro sponsorship. I love the colorway. Love everything about it. Um, and while we're on the topic of football, I guess you're in a, a bit of a, a happier mood. 9-0. Yeah, I mean, that was the only thing I feel that probably could have pleased me. Uh, we were t- talking before about um, early kickoffs. I went out with a friend to watch the Man United kickoff, which was 9.30 here in Australia. Came back and I just thought, Liverpool, 12am, I thought, I'm just going to watch it because I just felt that we would do the job. Although, I had I had Salah captain in fantasy football, right? Imagine he- before... Imagine before the game, if someone has told you that, that Liverpool are going to win 9-0, 50% of people are going to be triple captain in Salah in the FPL. And I apologise to anybody that maybe doesn't have a clue what fantasy football is or has no interest. We will be over this subject shortly. But I'm still very upset because how has he not got anything? Not on a goal, assist, nothing. Yeah, I mean, do you know what that, that's, that's like going into an earnings report be, you know, and just expecting... It's going to be amazing. So you put all your eggs in that basket. Yes, this is going to be amazing. And then massively under-delivers. Under-delivers. Yeah. Uh, you know, that can happen, of course. But the, but the meme stock goes up 35%. The Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, okay, Poddy this week. There's a few things that we can talk about. I mean, there will be some people that listen today, which is the 31st of August, last day of August. But we're heading into a new month uh tomorrow so we can talk a little bit about seasonality uh which i think is quite interesting uh we can also cover non-farm payrolls which of course is out this friday uh and then oil prices too which have been up down sideways any direction you name it they have been how does that sound yeah sounds good i think non-farm is obviously the big event of the week and and as for the oil price well as you say pretty all over the place um that's fair to say, and I think that volatility is going to stay on it, but I'm sure we'll get onto that in a minute. Yeah, absolutely. But like I said, first up, seasonality. Um, as Green Day famously sang, and don't worry, I'm sing not... It. I'm not... No way. They used to sing, what was it? Wake me up when September ends. And if you actually look at the stats, well, maybe there's a little bit of method to the madness there. Uh, when we talk about seasonality, though, we do have to take everything with a bit of a pinch of salt but what have you found for, for us when sort of looking into this area seasonality yeah well there's lots of ad ages out there on the market 
um, that that sort of maybe determine how we invest. Selling may go away. We've got the Santa rally in there as well. And there's always been this sort of negative focus on September. Maybe it's, uh, you know, as we say, uh, justified. Um, so we don't want to completely discount seasonality. But I think these days investors are, uh, you know, uh, anticipating these types of events. Um, you know, we, we, we sort of, there's such a big build up in terms of media presence around it before we go in um, that maybe it doesn't have as much effect as, as what we have seen in the past. But yeah, look, if we look at September, um, and we don't like to be very negative on this podcast, let's be, let's be clear about that. But September has famously been the worst month of the year for the S&P 500, um, you know, going back to 1928. So, um, and, and it's ended in the red 54% of times since 1928. So, um, unfortunately, it's, it's obviously not got a great track record. Um, reasons why that is, it's generally believed that sometimes investors come back from their summer holidays in, you know, Europe, the US, etc. in September, and they want to sell some holdings, lock in some gains for the year. Again, for those listening in Australia, probably wondering why that is. Our tax year is obviously different. Lots of tax years across the world. Um, others speculate that it's when families need money. We've got tuition. We're going back to school. Um, interestingly, it's actually one of the most expensive times of the year um, outside of Christmas for families as well. So that could play a big part. And September also marks the beginning of a period when mutual funds um, start to pay distributions, which can also trigger some tax selling as well. So there's a few um, you know, fundamentals that we can stick on it rather than just uh, the basics of September is always just you know pretty poor. But all of this is just sort of adding into the mixer um, of this sort of cautious approach that investors are sort of taking at the moment, given that hawkish stance that we had from the Fed last week. It's just not coming at a, the best time. You wouldn't want September to be the month going in right now. But if we flip it on its head and we sort of take a glass half full kind of view, I think September has the potential to to, to actually maybe buck the trend. Um, we've hopefully got a cooling labour market. We'll obviously find out and talk about that on non-farms in a minute. We've got hopefully inflation data uh, that, again, we, we've hopefully seen the peak on. And, you know, if we can see a much lower number there, that would be fantastic, especially with oil prices continuing to trend down. Uh, that would then provide us an outlook for sort of a less aggressive Fed and maybe they can take a bit of a, a bit more of a dovish stance. Um, but as we say, if we take a look at some of the fundamentals coming out of September, it's actually September is traditionally followed by a 0.4% positive October and then a 7.5% average one year forward return. So maybe September is, is a great month to see if there is some weakness um and then to, to to sort of just you know um diversify that portfolio see what's happening in the markets judge it and then move from there but as we say we've, we've got some key events in september that's really going to shape its performance rather than maybe the history itself so i think in terms of seasonality and history there's too much economic data to let history decide where the market's heading this month um, non-farms of course as i say on friday we'll touch on in a minute we've got cpi out of the us and of course we've got the feds all important meeting on the 21st of september as well so i think one thing is for sure there's going to be volatility in september so you know strap in um batten down the hatches you know just just understand that you know vix is definitely going to be higher in my opinion but at the end of um at the end of this sort of bear market rally um that we've had Maybe September could shape up to bring us some positivity, uh, as I've mentioned, when we've seen that sort of bit of a bit of a pullback after that nice little rally we had.
Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, I, I'm moving into to my new place end of September, maybe a little bit before. So if the markets want to to just go higher from now until then, that would just be perfect for me, um, which means it'd probably go lower. But uh, yeah, those dates to be aware of, obviously non-farm payrolls this Friday. We'll talk about that in a moment. Inflation on the 13th of uh, September, but don't worry, it's not a Friday. It's a Tuesday. Uh, and then the Fed on the 21st, that meeting on the Wednesday. Uh, interesting, I think, what was it, 50-odd percent, 54% finishes in the red? And as we know, the S&P 500 finishes up pretty much 70% of the time. Um, so, yeah, a, a month where it, uh, it struggles there, basically a coin flip. Uh, but I, I, I guess one thing to note seasonality-wise is when you look at um, all the data, there can't be many times when you've got inflation wildly out of control and it's just not a normal year everything that's gone on and the geopolitical tensions and 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 whatnot so uh yeah let's have a look um into this non-farms report because that will in a way influence the rest of the month as as, as well um but sorry just before we, we go through that actually let's uh let's have a quick look at oil prices um which yeah also we're going to move markets uh i mean trying to call this at the moment is it's guesswork uh so good luck josh i mean trying to explain what is going on um at the moment it's going to be tough uh we had obviously a significant move higher on monday followed by a significant move lower on tuesday i looked just before we came on air oil was down one percent we could finish and it could be up one percent uh how are you you seeing things at the moment well yeah um yeah, thanks for giving me that task. I mean, it is my job anyway, so uh, yeah. yeah, there we go. But no, big gain, as you say, on Monday, uh, up around about 4% on that sort of potential supply cut rumor from OPEC to sort of support prices. Um, and then we had the sort of fresh clashes in Libya over the weekend as well. Um, that Obviously, there was a risk there that they could put oil shipments at risk. Um, but that's then seemed to have no effect so far. Uh, and then prices actually then, as you say, dropped about 5% as well on Tuesday with sort of investors, you know, digesting that potential of a recession. Um, and that comes obviously on the back of the Fed's hawkish tone. Um, you know, the, 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 the oil market was much lower on, on Friday as well. But, you know, unfortunately not been a, a good couple of months for oil. It's headed for its third month of losses. Worst run since 2020. Um, so, yeah. And at this point, it's it's really difficult to sort of say we're going to be going up or we're going to be going down from here. There's a lot of um, points to be made for both, right, bullish and bearish. I think in terms of the bearish sentiment, we've got Iran that could bring on 93 million dollars, uh, 93 million barrels to market should its nuclear deal be reached. Although those talks are seemingly dragged on. Um, Shell have then come out and said that they believe the oil market will stay tight for some time, um, but Iranian oil could be the catalyst to then obviously bring those those prices down. So I think, as I say, it's a, it's a difficult long-term trade for traders um, with this sort of overhang there. Um, and if we think back and, and what's happened this year, it's been a pretty wild ride for oil. You know, in the first half of the year, we had Russia and Ukraine. Uh, that obviously saw the price skyrocket. We then had recession fears that then cooled prices since then. We obviously then had the central banks taking that hawkish tone as well. We had Russia managing to actually keep most exports flowing, which actually was, you know, many people thought wouldn't happen. Then that sort of prompted some of the big names like OPEC, um, 
from like Saudi Arabia, for example, to discuss the possibility of cutting output, as we sort of said, but that's probably going to be unlikely, but there's a discussion there. Um, and that's on the back of obviously Joe Biden crying out for an increase of output. So there's just a, there's a case for both here. And again, that recession side of it is going to be really difficult um, because that's obviously going to dampen demand, no doubt about that. Um, and I think what's clear is, though, it's it's creating a lot of volatility that's making a lot of opportunities. But it's definitely a difficult market for traders to try and, you know, navigate. That's for sure. Um, and I don't expect it to be you know changing you know i don't expect this volatility to change as we head in towards the end of the year and then finally as well we've got the us dollar as well that's absolutely showing no signs of slowing down and as we know or if you don't know when we've got a strong us dollar that's going to be negative um for oil that usually brings the price of oil down so there's lots happening um and i'm sure it's something we'll cover a lot more before the end of the year um but yeah before you're, you're jumping into oil trades at the moment you know, definitely go out there, do your research, read the news, find out exactly what's going on because you know any bit of news is, is really moving this market at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a fascinating market oil um, and there will be people listening that are loving the price action at the moment from a trading perspective. There will be people, maybe longer, medium-term investors for oil or oil-related stocks that are hating it right now it's just fascinating that the the differing views that people will have on on this particular asset or this market i should say um but yeah i don't think that volatility is is ending anytime soon for those that have been tuning into this podcast for for quite some time we, we did our predictions for the second half of the year and I, I guess maybe end of september we can have like a halfway stop to sort of review things but i'm pretty sure we had oil in between sort of 1900 that's just literally me trying to remember off the top of my head i haven't mm. checked that um but i think at the time it was it was above 100 and, and we did think there was some downside to come albeit you know maybe an opportunity for people to buy lower down but it's it's volatile it really is at the moment so uh yeah approach of caution um uh and really another thing i guess to just to, to bear in mind and to approach with caution is uh non-farm payrolls on on friday which is our, our next subject i mean it's considered by i'd say the majority of the market to be the most important event this week from a schedule point of view anyway um it's the next data set that the fed will be keeping a very close eye on and therefore so will we as we know, the data release comes out once a month, usually the first Friday of the month, unless let's just say in America there was a bank holiday uh, and they'll delay it to the next week. You know, Maybe there's not enough time to get the data, that kind of thing. But yeah, usually it's going to be the first Friday of the month. Um, typically, the hours before this announcement are really quiet. Traders are sitting on their hands. They're waiting for the main event. It's almost like you're at a boxing event. No one really watches the the undercard. There, I've, I've been to the O2 a few times when Anthony Joshua was good, um, and uh, yeah, the ago. fights and the build up to it. No one's watching it, um, so it's kind of like that before any big data release or big central bank meeting. Um, luckily for for those listening before Friday uh, at half one UK time. Uh, we've got Mr. Josh Gilbert here who's on hand to, to let us know what to look out for. So, Josh, the mic is yours. Over to you. Here we go. Let's go. I felt like I needed to break out into song then or something, but no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, as you said, it's the North. It's the big focus of the week, um, especially on the back of Jackson Hole, right? I think after Jackson Hole, maybe it wasn't. You know, again, sometimes the the jobs report is 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 important, and we look at it as a really important uh, data set. And then other times it's like, oh, it's just non farms again. But this one is is a big one. Um, and we unexpectedly, unexpectedly even, saw a rise to um, 11.2 million jobs um, in the US job opening report that came out uh, overnight. So yeah, Tuesday, um, and that was near a record level, and, and that sort of has underscored sort of the, the tightness in the labor market as sort of employers struggle to sort of compete in a pool of, of obviously limited workers. And this doesn't set a great trend as we head into Friday's jobs report. Um, so maybe we'll start with the forecast, what's expected, etc., and then we'll get on to sort of what that number then means, etc. So the consensus right now is for 300,000 job ads for August, and then we've got the unemployment rate, which is expected at 3.5%. So that 300,000 job ads is, the economist estimates are crazy. We've got everything from 74,000 all the way up to 650,000. So I think they, it usually trends on a Friday, doesn't it? Like NFP guesses or, or whatever. So, um, Which is just yeah. like pick at the moment, free numbers, put them in any order and you might get it right. <laughs> yeah, just um, maybe just get your missus or someone just to write it down. You never know, yeah. or whoever, just, just get them really to write it down. Like a, a company-wide sweepstake for that. We really yeah, that could be good. A pound or a dollar, winner takes it all. Yeah, um, whoever gets the closest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but look, this this number is is going to tip the scale of the Fed's expected rate decision. Um, so I had a quick look earlier. The CME rate predictor on rate hikes at the moment is at seventy five basis point at sixty eight percent likelihood for September, and that's well up from the fifty three percent last week. Obviously, following on from Jay Powell's speech last Friday. So, bottom line is, if we get a number that's sort of in line with expectations or higher, then I think markets are really going to come under pressure. And I think this is going to solidify the Fed's hawkish stance uh, and mean that this aggressive tightening is going to continue, especially with that job, op job, job opening number that we got as well. So anything that's around that sort of 300,000 number um, or, as I say, higher, you know, I don't think the market's going to like it at all. On the other hand, we need a really low number for this market to sort of rally. Again, bad news is good news in this sense. Um, we need to see that the economy is cooling and the Fed, of course, will is going to welcome this. You know, Jerome Powell's already said that, but that then obviously on the second side of it, it increases the likelihood of a recession. You know, when jobs numbers start going down, employment rate starts to increase. That's when, you know, recession um, starts to go through. And, um, you know, it's a lagging indicator as well is, is the sort of the jobs market in that sense. And I think we saw Snap last night sort of come out and say that they were sort of making um, a 20 percent of staff redundant. So it is starting to come through. And we've seen that across, you know, uh, you know, other areas of the market as well. Um, you know, I think Apple, a few other big tech names as well. So they were sort of cautious over hiring as well. But, you know, that jobs opening number shows that there is still a huge demand. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a mix at the same time. But look, as I say, Powell wants to see the labor market slow down. Um, and, you know, those job openings start to slow down. Uh, that's then obviously going to see a decline in wage pressure, which is obviously going to help, you know, pretty much everything that they're planning on doing, you know, the Fed. But as I said at the start, you know, it's, it was hot uh, and that doesn't lead us in well. So it's going to be a really important reading. Um, but in terms of just overall markets and just recession fears and worries, what I would say is that 
something to remember is that corporate earnings have served as a, a nice buoy or a nice anchor to the market right now, uh, especially as we get sort of more and more concerned about rising inflation, this slowdown in the economy that, that obviously could be coming. Uh, and I would say there's very little sign to suggest that earnings are due for an imminent decline based on the earnings revisions. Yes, we had quite a few downgrades, but nothing that really, uh, I would say, was, was anything of, of a huge worry. So that's just a sort of a side point in the sense that, okay, we, we've had a bit of a discussion on the podcast about recessions, uh, et cetera, today. But it's not all bad news. But yeah, that jobs number on Friday is going to be really important. So as I say, anything in line or above, going to see a, the market struggle. Anything below is, of course, going to be probably positive. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this... This reading on on, on Friday, <clears throat> which is the the second of uh, September, of course, really sets us up pretty well for the remainder of it. Uh, just a couple of key points for next week. Um, we have some talks from OPEC on on the Monday. We've also got the leader announcement uh, for the next prime minister, Liz Truss. Very very heavy favourite for that. Um, so yeah, keep a, a, a watch out for for that. You've also got. Eurozone say retail sales on the Monday. You've got um, Australian, they're, they're your central bank, Josh. Uh, if they got their policy announcement Tuesday, which might be Monday overnight for us. I don't know. It all, all confuses me, the time zone. But anyway, that's coming out. Uh, we've also got some services PMI, SM, ISM services PMI data out of the United States. Bank of Canada also got their policy announcement next Wednesday. So things are really starting to pick up. Because then the, on the mm. Thursday you've got the ECB as well. It's like central banks are are back from from sort of the summer break, you know, having their vacations, getting down to work, um, and it really does feel like it's back to school, it's back to markets, volumes going to come back, and September is is where it's really going to start to pick up from. So if you have thought the, you know the last couple of weeks have been quiet, I mean, there's been opportunities out there, but have been quiet. I think things are really going to start to to take a turn um as we get through these next couple of days and into next week and the really the, the heart of september but uh yeah i'm looking forward to it um josh of course will be back next week i imagine we'll be talking about central banks and reviewing uh where the fed are at certainly with uh, things post non-farm payrolls but yeah it looks like it's to be a central bank heavy week next one um so yeah i imagine we'll be talking about that yeah, if any central banks are listening and fancy sponsoring the podcast, then drop us a line because we talk about you enough. So you may as well get get your own in here. So that's it. That's it. Get on board. Um, but yeah, we'll wrap it there as, as usual. Everyone can head over to Etoro Academy podcast guides, videos, blogs. You name it, it's there. Obviously on YouTube, there's all the summer school stuff as well. And um, you know, we, we spoil you guys, don't we? Absolutely. Um, but look, take care and, and, and Josh, see you next week. See you next week, everyone, and I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the week. Take care. Stay safe. You've been listening to Digest and Invest from eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com. <laughs>